closer. I know everything that Google knows. I don't think he's having fun. That's the problem right there. That's the problem. You just gotta what rub. That, I get it. I get some foil. I go rub some foil right there. So, what's going on? What brings all of you here in at once? Well, I haven't surfed in about three weeks because the waves have been flat. But talking about it just makes me want to go surf. Anybody know if there's waves? I actually don't know. I, somebody broke my iPad, so I can't even Google it for you. Well, I'm super fun girl, and <sighs> no one's invited me to any party. Well, party's not a party without call a boy. Who gonna bring the boy? I stay fresh out right now. A lot of people don't even like boy anyway, and it's not even fun. I actually Googled that by repeatedly sticking your fingers into the poi and then into your mouth. It wasn't very sanitary. But that's where knowledge is more important than poi. I will refuse to waste my time arguing when we should be having fun. So what are you gonna do about it? Well, you know what? While you guys are arguing, I Googled it and found out there's waves today. <gasps> I have a surfboard and a paddleboard and I'll show you with you guys. Yeah. Let's go. Surf? Let's do it! Sounds fun guys, let's go! Yes! Yeah! I like it! I'll bring the point. Individual bowls for everyone. I'll yeah. even try it! Sounds good, let's go! Let's get out of here! So after preparing their powers, the Super Duper Squad finally learned that they were what was special, not only what they did as heroes, but more importantly, with their powers combined, they could do even more super things. So until we meet again, be on the lookout for the next episode of The Super Duper Squad. Hey, can we just say thank you to those guys who did that? I don't even know what you call that, but we all have that tendency to compare ourselves, don't we? I mean, when you, you're thinking of buying something... It will usually come from seeing someone else or seeing something advertised or you just had that dream all along as you were growing up. We, we all have something in us that says, I want what they want. And the advertisers know that very well. That's why when you see a commercial, you may not realize it, but they're actually playing off of something inside of us called jealousy and envy. Now, those two words we hate. We don't like talking about jealousy and envy because we say, I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. We actually disguise that word now. Instead of saying jealousy today, we use the word hater. We've actually just, we just disguise the word jealousy and put hater on it. But what actually happens is we hate on people who hate, so we post about haters hating when they're not even hating. Because there's something in us that has a judgmental thought of how people view us. And so we say to ourselves, they're just hating on me. In other words, we're so focused on other people that we forget who we are. 
which has nothing to do with anyone else except one single spirit that comes from the enemy. And it's the word comparison. I would probably liken the word comparison to us trying to live a life that wasn't meant for us. In fact, there's a story in the Bible, and if you were doing your devotions with us, of a a man named Saul and a man named David. Saul was Israel's first king. And when Saul became Israel's first king, he, he was hiding he was, he was hiding in the kind of like the baggage area when he was supposed to come out and, and be the king. And they had to go look for him. And Saul, because he was hiding, he was like a people pleaser. He was just that kind of person. So he was already apprehensive of becoming who God saw him to be. Now, as Saul became king, now here comes this other man named David. David was made famous by killing a a giant named Goliath, if you read the scriptures. And David killed this giant, his name was Goliath, and became famous. Well, Saul took notice of it and said, bring that man into my kingdom. So now David is a part of Saul's army. And after a while, David does some great things. But then Saul becomes jealous of David because of David's fame in who he was becoming. In fact, there was like a parade after the Israelites won this battle. And David is in this parade and and people start chanting this. David has killed 10,000 and Saul only 1,000. Saul has killed thousands, but David 10,000. So they're they're singing this. And Saul says, wait, wait, what are they singing? What song is this? What kind of of song is that? David killed, what, 10,000? And Saul only 1,000? So Saul became jealous of David and even to the point of killing David. And he sought David out. Saul missed his mark in life. He missed who he could have become. And in fact, Saul died a horrible death and never amounted to who he could have been. David, on the other hand, is known as a man after God's own heart. David ran his race. Saul tried to run David's race. And missed his own life. In fact, if you're, if you're a sprinter, if you've been in uh, uh, track and field or something like that, they will normally say three phrases before you start running and head toward the finish line. What do they say? They say, on your, get, and go. Those three phrases. Now, it begins with, on your mark. And the reason why they say that is not just to get a cadence down, so that you can get ready to go. No, they're saying, get in your lane. On your mark. Not on their mark. It's on your mark. Otherwise, you get disqualified. And no one runs a race. No world sprinter. World-class sprinter. Record-setting sprinter. Runs the race like this. Hey, what are they doing? What are they doing? Oh, who catching up? Nobody does that. Except Boat Hussein at the end of his race, he kind of looked, but he's already beating everyone. But if you run your race like that, you will lose or trip or not hit your fullest time potentially or your potential time. You're not going to hit your best time. And I think when we run our race in life, if we're running 
and looking at everyone else. We're trying to live our life, but we're looking at everyone else. We will never reach our fullest potential. And we'll hit what we call identity crisis. There's also another story. It's in the New Testament in the book of John, if you want to turn there. The book of John is going to give us a, a, a snapshot picture of what took place after Jesus rose from the grave with a man by the name of Peter. Now, Peter was a fisherman who was called by Jesus Christ, and Jesus simply said to him and his brother, follow me. And they followed him. But Peter, along the way, he came to a place where Jesus was arrested and falsely accused. But when Jesus was arrested, all of Christ's disciples scattered. Peter was one of them. But Peter followed Jesus, but he followed him at a distance to where Jesus was being led. And as he was following Jesus and watching what was happening, there were people who said, hey, um, weren't you with Jesus? Peter said, no, no, that's not me. Three times he denies Christ. The reason why Peter denied Christ was because if he said, yeah, I'm one of them, he too would be killed, crucified. But the moment he denied Christ those three times, he was in looking distance of Jesus. Jesus saw him. They made eye contact. And then Peter just wept bitterly. Because Jesus said this was actually going to happen. Now you fast forward the tape in John chapter 21 after Jesus dies on the cross and then rises from the grave. He meets his disciples on the shoreline and now he's sitting with them eating breakfast. Now he's having this one-on-one conversation with Peter. And in verse 18 of John chapter 21, Jesus says to Peter, verse 18, Most assuredly, I say to you, Peter, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus is actually letting Peter know, Peter, this is how you're going to die. You're going to be led to a place where you don't want to go. I know you didn't want to die. Now, Jesus didn't say, this is why you denied me. But Peter understands, this is why I denied you. I did not want to die. Now you're telling me I'm actually going to die for you? Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And this is before Jesus died. So Jesus is referring back to when he was alive. And Peter, seeing that man, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? What about him? Like, Peter already received from Jesus, Peter, you're going to die. That's, you're going to die for me. So Peter immediately says, Okay, wait, I'm going to die for you. What about him? Can he die too? Is he going to die for you? Because uh, am I going to be the only one that's going to die for you? That's not fair. What about this guy? So watch what Jesus says. Jesus says this to him. If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Then he says these words again. You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. That Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but... If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? In other words, what Jesus was saying is, it's kind of like you winning 
$1,000 or someone giving you $1,000 and saying, here's $1,000. Oh, and by the way, uh, so-and-so, they might win the lottery. Wait, wait, you give me $1,000, but they might win the lottery? That's not fair. No, no, I'm saying it could happen. And if it does, what is that to you? Why are you comparing yourself to someone else? Ever since we, we've grown up, we've compared our, ourselves to people, haven't we? I mean, when we were little babies and, and had toys, we would play with the toys and we would have so much fun with our toys until someone else came over to play. And then we said that one word. What was it? Mine. Like we have like 50,000 toys. And the one we never play with, when someone else plays it, that's mine. Mine. And as parents, we're like, you don't even play with that toy. And you know how, you know how loving we are to our children? We say, you don't want to share? Good, give me that. I'll give it to them. You can't have that anymore. <laughs> and then the kids cry. What are we teaching them? We're teaching them how to share but we as adults we still don't share i have a hard time sharing and i'm just being honest i have a hard time if i go to cinnabon and i ask if you want and you say no don't ask me for a bite go buy your own i specifically bought a specific size to crave my specific habit if you ask for a bite there goes the ratio and see you're laughing because you understand just like cereal you don't share cereal nobody shares cereal you want cereal? Go make your own. We still have that tendency. That's why we need Jesus to share cereal. <laughs> it's just in us to say, that's mine. But for some reason along the way, we, we start to slip into this thing called comparison. That I want what you want. I want to be who you are. And we, we, we start to transform ourselves and morph into who we really don't want to be. Because we're all, always looking at someplace else. We're looking at other people. And we want what they want. We become ungrateful. And it's almost like God is saying, I've given you such a wonderful life. But you're caught up in jealousy and envy. Jealousy is, is basically about people. Envy is about things. We get jealous of people and we're envious about things. And the media dips into our flaw of those two areas and comparison. And so the media plays off of that. And if you watch commercials, any commercial, you'll feel that, that, the, that what the commercial is all about is saying, you're not good enough. You need this. They have it better than you, so you should get that. And it's almost like we feel unappreciated unappreciative of the life that we have and if not careful we'll live that way wanting everything else being unsatisfied with who we are but God has a way for us to step outside of comparison that we would become people who no longer compare that we run towards the finish line run the race that God has set for us and run from comparison and we're going to look at three areas and the first is this if you want to take down some notes to honor God in all we do in everything we do, that we honor God in all we do. Just honor Him. Or we can use the word glorify. You know when we say glorify God or we glorify your name? We're just trying to honor Him. Like how we try to honor our parents. I remember I won some awards for art and things like that. And, and my mom would be so proud of me. 
She says, oh, you, you make me so proud until I got arrested. Then it was, oh, you, you're the worst one. I was like, what? Look at my awards, mommy. I won. She's like, no, you. you. And, and she would always say this, you make my blood pressure rise. She showed me all her pills. She could see all these pills. That's because of you. I'm like, wow. But we just have that. It, it's inside of us to want to do our own thing, forgetting about honor, forgetting about honoring God. We want to honor God. The question is, how do we do that? How do we glorify His name? Another way to look at it is, is to, to place God first, that we look to Him first, or we say put Him in the highest place. In other words, He is to be honored above all things, that we magnify His name, that we, we make Him the center of our life, that in all we do, we think to ourselves, is this honoring to God? Not in public, not when everybody can see, but in private. Lord, is this honoring to you? Because whatever I'm doing in private that's honoring to God will automatically bleed out in public in honoring God. But if I'm dishonoring God behind the scenes when nobody's watching, I will dishonor Him in public. Can I still glorify His name? Can I elevate Him? Can I exalt Him? Because there's only two options when we compare. You're either going to fall into being superior over someone or inferior to someone. Those are the only two options when we compare. We either fall into superiority or inferiority. But if we're honoring to God, then we don't need to compare ourselves to other people. We can just say, God, who are you making me to be? Make me the best me I can be and let me run my race and reach my fullest potential. Another way of looking at it, if, if it's not to be inferior or superior, it's to be insecure. That we, we become insecure as people or we become prideful. We put ourselves over, over people. It, it's amazing in our society, and I don't think we mean this on purpose. I, I think it's just a part of in the world, you know, with that kind of thinking, that when we're at a social gathering and you meet someone new, most of the time, after you get to know their name, we say what we do. Or we ask, so what do you do? Or where do you work? We say these things. And part of that is to say, well, where do you work? Oh, I work here. And then if we work at a place that pays more or is at a better position, we'll say, oh, you work there. Hoping they ask us, so where do you work? Well, I am the VP of our company soon to be president. Uh, again, what do you do? And we, we feel better. It's like a social pecking order. And so we ask each other, what do you do? What do you... you know what God wants for every single person? For us to be satisfied with who we are in Him, not what we do in the world. And that's fine. We can, we can excel in our, in our careers. We can do well in school. We can, we can have things. But if that becomes the most important thing, then we can easily slip away from honoring God. The devil is very subtle, very subtle. And he'll come at us. He'll whisper to us. He'll make you feel less than. And the moment you feel that, go back to honoring God. Honor Him. Lift Him up. Worship Him. 
Otherwise, we'll continue to compare ourselves with other people. Comparison is a weapon of mass distraction. That's what comparison is. Because we're so busy looking at everyone else. We were watching this one, uh, I think it's like a reality show. It's called Top Shot. And this is where they see who can, uh, with archery, and um, see who can hit the target the best. And these guys, these, those who are, are professional marksmen, they, they focus on the target. No matter how windy, no matter how dusty, how cloudy, whatever the elements are, hot or cold, they stay focused. They don't let outside distractions ruin what they're focusing on because they have a target. When we compare, we're allowing outside distractions to ruin the focus of our target. And if that happens, we never become who God has created us to be. We never reach our fullest potential. And even if you were to become like so-and-so or have what they have, you'll never be satisfied because that doesn't fill the inner void. Only who God is making us to be will satisfy us. That's why we hit this thing called identity crisis. Romans chapter 14 verse 8 says, If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Yeah, you know what the Bible is telling us? It doesn't matter if you have a lot or don't have a lot. You're going to die. Everyone will. doesn't matter if you're this person or that person. We all belong to the Lord. No one better than the other. We actually do that for ourselves. But the Lord is saying it's not about that. It's who I'm making you to be. Know your identity, that your identity is in me, not in what you do. So here's what will help. The second thing, not just honoring God, but be thankful to the Lord. We say it in this way. We say, count your blessings. Not money. <laughs> count your money. I'm going to count my money. No, count my blessings. Count your blessings. I mean, it's, it almost sounds impractical, but it's very pragmatic. It's very simple, very easy to do. Everyone can do that. Just think of who God has put in your lives. Now, not, not the negative side because you can think, oh, yeah, this person is in my life. This, no, go to the people that God has surrounded you with, that love you, that want the best for you, that believe in you, in, that they invest in you, they encourage you, your children, your parents. God has given us so much. But because we compare, we miss. God says, no, go back to thanking me. We should be the most thankful people on the face of this planet. For those who know God and for those who have drawn closer to him, we should be the most thankful people. Otherwise, if we're not thankful, then we actually become angry towards God. Because we say, it's not fair. How come they got the promotion? It's not fair. How come they got accepted? It's not fair. How come their kids got God says, you're missing your blessing. And I wonder if, I wonder if, if God's blessings are withheld because we're ungrateful. I wonder if God wants to bless us, but because we're ungrateful, the blessing is actually stopped. We know if there's something inside of us that is either envious or comparing by this one test that we all go through. 
So I'll give you the scenario. Let's just say you're driving, speed limit, and someone cuts you off, tailing you, flashing your lights, beeping their horn, pulls around you, starts speeding, and then they get pulled over later down. How does that make you feel? <laughs> I mean, you almost feel like beeping your horn and going, beep, beep, what's up, brother? Like, ah, good for you. Like, wouldn't you feel good? So this one time, we are at a traffic light, and uh, so this one guy, he just pulls up next to us, starts revving his engine. And I'm with my son, Jordan. He's probably about 9, 10 years old. So he goes, Dad, race him. I'm like, I'm not racing him. What's wrong with you? And so he, the, the light turns green, and he takes off and just starts blazing it. And we're just cruising it. And then there was a police officer little down the road, and then you see the blue light come on. And then my son Jordan's like, oh, oh look, he, he, I think he get pulled over. He's like excited. So uh, the guy did get pulled over, and he's ahead of us. So, and then we come to the next stoplight, and the guy's right there on the side of the road. And I'm just looking straight ahead. I'm thinking nothing of it. Just let it go. My son Jordan rolls down the window, puts his hand on the sign, and watches, and just <laughs> smiles. And then he says this, next time they'll mess with God. I was like, what? How can you? You can't say that to people. Next time, don't mess with God. What does that have to do with it? But I tell you, on the inside, I felt good. I felt good. Like, yeah, boy, I like say that, but you can. And I cannot, but you can. When it's like the Lord said, why are you thankful that he was getting pulled over? I said, because safety. I want to be safe, Lord. He said, no, you were, you were thankful because it feels better that he got caught and humbled and now he looks like the fool and you like that. And it's like the Lord saying to me, that's not the heart I'm looking for. If we can be thankful and rejoice when other people get blessed, now we're understanding to run our race. But if we rejoice when people aren't blessed or they fall or they fail, it's an indication of what's happening in our heart. I mean, we try our very best. We try to, we try to play it off. And, and when we see people that we, we're, we're jealous of or envious of and they say, oh, hey, I got the promotion. <gasps> you got the promotion? Yeah. Remember the one I was talking about? Yeah, you talked about it a lot. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, I got it. Oh, good for you. Great. Yeah. I hope things turn bad. That's what's happening in our heart. Oh, they come up to you. Hey, guess what? I just built my house. Brand new house. We got approved. Really? Wow. Yay. Right on. Good for you. I hope burn down. It's what's happening in our heart. It's happening in our heart. Hey, look at my car. Uh, junk that car. Doesn't have this. Doesn't. Have... It's like it's in us, but we try to play it off. But it's in us. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, our blessing doesn't come because we're not rejoicing when others get blessed. It's just a test inside of us what's happening on the inside. But if we're thankful and we say, Lord, I am thankful for who you're making me to be and what you've given to me in whatever I do, in Colossians 3.17, it says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God. 
the Father. Otherwise, we're going to resent God and we're going to resent people. Because we know God has everything in control. Even though, even though the world looks like it's falling apart, God isn't. He knows exactly what he's doing. And that becomes a problem for us because we don't know what he's doing. We think we know better than God. And, and so when something happens in someone else's life, we think, God, you're in control. Why didn't that happen to me? Why didn't I get that? And so we become resentful with God and against other people. We're angry with God and with other people. Or when something bad happens to us, we say, why did this happen to me? After all that I've done for you, this happens to me. I serve you. I give to you. I do everything for you. And then this happens. Why me? God says, oh, you don't don't see the bigger picture. I'm doing something so great in your life. Be thankful to the Lord. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. Not for everything. It's in everything. That tells us that in every situation, in any situation, we can be thankful even still. But we have to, we, we have to come to him and trust that he knows exactly what he is doing. James chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, it says, But you... Have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts. Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Did you know that envy is the root of comparison? That's why we compare. Envy is is the lack of acceptance in who God made you and I to be. Listen, no one has it all together. No one. No one has it all together. None of us. Even though we may look the part, dress the part, speak the part, no one has it all together. Even pastors don't have it all together. That's why I tell you all my stories because I'm letting you know I need Jesus just as much as anybody else. We all don't have it together. But there's only one person who does and his name is Jesus Christ. He has everything together. Therefore, be thankful to him and who he is. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24 and 25. It, it talks about the body of Christ in this way. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. In in other words, the Bible is saying every single person plays a part. Every single one of us. That there should be no division, but that we should care for one another. Because we're that valuable to God. And we're that valuable to each other. That we're there for each other. We encourage each other. God does this so that everyone has a part rather than us comparing. Comparing one to another. Because jealousy has to do with people. And we easily become jealous. Quickly. But not if, not if we're thankful. If we're thankful to the Lord. Colossians 3.5 says, Therefore, Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is 
idolatry, covetousness. Like we don't often hear that word. I don't hear anyone kind of bringing out that word covetousness. Hey, how are you doing today? Are you coveting? (laughs) Have you been coveting lately? We don't even use that word. Just to say covetousness is hard to say. But covetousness is basically greed and comparison and selfishness in disguise. It's the mask. That's what covetousness is. It's the mask of greed and selfishness. And we wear that mask very well. And you know who helps us? The devil himself. He helps us. And he tries to whisper into our ears to be ungrateful to God. That, no, you want their life. You don't want your life. You want what they have, not what God is blessing you with. Covetousness is being ungrateful at the highest level. That we covet one another's things and one another. And we want. You don't like what God has given to you, so you covet what others have. And when that happens, that thing or that person has just become your idol. Which is a scary thought because we don't think we have idols in our lives. I mean, we we downplay the word because we watch American. Right. So we don't think of it. We just think of it as, oh, that's a cool word. But an idol is something you actually are gravitated towards. You may not necessarily worship and bow down to it, but without even knowing it, it's controlling your life. Covetousness, which is idolatry. And it starts to run your life. So here's what we do. Here's the last thing. Let's, let's end on this note. Focus on God more than anything else. Focus on God. Thanks be to God or we'd be done. I mean, if we, if we were just stuck in our, our own flaws and we did not have a perfect God to focus on, we'd be done. We focus on God more than anything else. See, comparison actually opens the door to the enemy. It's a welcome mat to the enemy. And when the enemy comes in, that's where we start to get distracted and unfocused or we get distracted from who God is calling us to be and making us to be and created us to be. Adam and Eve dealt with that. Saul dealt with that. Peter was dealing with that. But then he turned things around because of Christ and he focused back on the Lord. Adam and Eve had it all when they, when they were first created. If you read the book of Genesis, when they were created, they were with God. They had everything they needed. They had paradise and they were, they were unashamed. And so they, they had this relationship with God, but then here comes the enemy. And he says, you know, did God really say you would die if you ate of that fruit? God didn't really say that. Come on, he's just, it's not what God said. And so they began to kind of think about it. And then the devil said the words that still haunt us today. He said, no, no, no. God, God didn't say you're going to die. God has something that you don't have. And it's the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve bit into that lie. And here we are today, still dealing with the same thing. Adam and Eve started to compare themselves with God himself. 
and started to believe the lie that God is withholding something from them. And that's all it took. And for many of us, that's where we are. We think God is withholding something from us. And it's just a lie. It's the same lie. But the devil knows that we have this jealousy and envy inside of us. And God says, don't fall prey to that. Focus on me more than anything else. Don't let the devil whisper into your soul to tell you that you're not good enough, that what you have is not good enough, that you have to do certain things so that people accept you. But you focus on me. I'll work those things out. I'll work it out. Otherwise, you're going to become like the world and behave in a way that is not according to my ways. And when we stay focused on God, then we're able to see even clearer who we are in Him. And our identity is going to be that much clearer because of who He is, not because of us. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it tells us, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend ourselves or commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Yeah, we compare ourselves with ourselves. We compare ourselves with one another. The Bible is saying that is not wise. How do we excel in life if we only compare ourselves with flawed people? How do we become all that God created us to be if we're focusing on everyone else who has the same flaws as we do? Why not focus on the very one who gave his life for you and I, who has a plan for us, that regardless of what is happening around us, we can still live the life that he planned for us to live. And that is going to be satisfying rather than seeing other people and becoming bitter, resentful, and angry at both God and people. I'd rather look to God and say, my satisfaction is in you. Your grace is sufficient. We should be the first ones to rejoice when other people are blessed. That's, that's where we should be. And weep with those who weep. But if we're comparing ourselves, that will never happen. Romans 1.21, it tells us, Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know what happened? These people who knew God, which I'm pretty sure many of us do, they took their eyes off of God and they started to put their eyes on other people and things. And they became foolish. But we're going to make the decision to put our eyes on God. As Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That should speak volumes to us already. But sometimes we forget. Forget to honor God. To be thankful to the Lord. To focus on God more than anything else. So today we're going to do that. We're going to receive communion today. And ushers, you can go ahead and pass out the elements. Communion is a time for us to remember what Jesus has done. 
And when we remember what Jesus has done, it gets us focused back on God. I want to close with this, with talking about Peter and, and what happened toward the end of his life. And go ahead, you can pass out the elements. And hang on to the juice and bread, and we'll receive communion together. And Glenn, you can come to the keyboard. So Peter, when he was following Jesus Christ, remember, those were the two words that Jesus said to him. He said, follow me. Those two simple words. And I think we tend to forget to follow Jesus. We forget about that. So Paul the Apostle writes in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians, he says, on the very night in which Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body which has been broken for you. And he says these words, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. You know what Jesus was doing? He was putting something in place for us to always come back to in a tangible way. That communion has to do with all of our senses. Taste, touch, sight, hearing, smell. It has all those elements because it's a, it's a, it's a full experience. And then Jesus brings in a non-sense. It's your faith. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. That is very important as we receive communion. The Bible says examine yourselves because there are tendencies in us that push us outside of our mark and we tend to stray outside of the track and we, we run others' race, and other people. Thanks, Auntie Lynn. And we, we, we focus on other people and we forget that, wait a minute, God gave me an incredible race to run. And here's the beautiful thing about us running our own race. Your competition is no one else but yourself. And you can win because of Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, we don't need to compare ourselves to anyone else. As Peter was ending his life and toward the ending of his life, it's not written in the Bible, but there are historical documents that talk about how Peter died. He was martyred, which is pretty interesting. He was martyred for Christ. He died for Christ because of his belief in Christ. And that which he denied Christ for became what he was identified as, as a follower of Jesus. He learned something along the way. He learned not to compare himself, but to trust solely on Christ. At his death, the execution, it was actually crucifixion. It happened just the way Jesus said, you're going to be led to a place where they're going to stretch your arms. You don't want to go there. That which you denied me, and Jesus didn't say this, but... That which he denied Christ was the very way he was going to die. It was the way he was going to go. 
And Peter, not even wanting to be compared with Jesus, said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified like him. Crucify me upside down. Peter said, I'm not even worthy. He thought that highly of Jesus and honored him in that way. Let's honor Christ this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. I know there are some this morning, Lord, that they don't know you yet. And maybe today is their day. Maybe today is that that day where they feel that tug on their heart that they're saying, I want to have this relationship with Christ, but I don't know how. And if that's you this morning, we're going to pray together. But if you want to receive Jesus today, just simply lift a hand. And you're saying, I want my identity to be in Christ. Yeah, you, God sees your hand. Anybody else back there, God sees you. You're saying, I want eternal life. That's, it's a free gift. I'm taking that. Yeah, Christ died for me. I'll receive that. God sees that hand back there. God sees you. It's a public confession. And you're saying yes to Jesus right now. Excuse me, it's a private confession. You're saying yes to Jesus. God sees your hand back there. You may be in the fellowship hall and God sees you. We're going to pray this prayer together, all of us. You can just repeat these words, but add the heart, especially if if you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. I will honor you. I thank you. I will focus on you more than anything else. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, Amen.